This episode comes with a language warning. There's a few F-bombs, but they're all in the context of rock and roll, so there's not too much to worry about. The year 1953. A plane touches down at Smithies Airport in Sydney. On board is an American named Lee Gordon. The Australian music scene will never be the same again. From then until now, these are the stories. Hey there, this is Josh Ersam and you're listening to Awesome Aussie Songs. This episode is on Skyhooks and their debut single, Living in the 70s. Our special guest is Skyhooks guitarist, Bob Bongo Starkey. There's not many bands that can claim to be an original act. Melbourne band Skyhooks most certainly can. No group has looked or sounded like Skyhooks, and it's a formula they took to the very top. Under the direction of chief songwriter and bass guitarist Greg McCainch, Skyhooks took the glam rock image to the very extreme, and then some. It's hard to imagine Skyhooks without Red, Bongo and Shirl. However, the classic Hooks lineup didn't join forces until 74. The original group formed in 1973, with McCainch, drummer Freddie Strokes, vocalist Steve Hill, and guitarist Peter Inglis and Bongo's older brother Peter Starkey. The Skyhooks lineup we know and love, featuring Freddie, Greg, Bongo, Red and Shirley, broke all the Australian chart records of the time. The hooks were different in every sense of the word, and they played the rock and roll game like no other. Even their nicknames went outside the boundaries of normality. Well, whatever normal is. In the very early formation of the band, um, we all actually had different names. Um, and Greg McCainch was Rupert Lantern. Uh, Freddie was Freddie Caboodle Schnitzer Ego von Schoeff, right? And um, Red was Rocco Simon. And Red gave me my name, which is Bongo Star, which is a play on uh, Richard Starkey, Ringo Star, Bob Starkey, right? Bongo Star, you know, so that's all it was. Mine stuck. Everyone thinks I'm the drummer. It's a fantastic name for a band, Skyhooks. Um, well, Greg, it was Greg's name, but he, he had a whole bunch of you know names written on a page somewhere. Um, but the thing about a Skyhook is it's meaningless, right? So um, I, I guess that, that he was attracted to that. It's a name that means nothing. But also, we used it as the inverted question mark, right? So that's how, that was our sort of, you know logo if you like to say you know skyhook's first appearance on the bill of the sunbury festival in 74 is sometimes defined as not going over so well with the crowd although bongo remembers the gig differently to the critics it's possible that the fallout or aftermath of what took place following the festival sort of clouds history's view as to how well skyhook's was actually received by the crowd Oh, well, you know, it's, we're just a support act, you know. They weren't exactly booing us off the stage or anything. But, um, yeah, we weren't we weren't one of the boogie bands, you know. No, it was, it, it was all right, but, we, you know, we did quite well. I mean, it was just a great experience and we held our own, you know. 
and uh, we did what we do. Um, look, the Skyhook Send was a tougher sort of band. It was more like Captain Beefheart, right? And Steve Hill, he, you know, he really got into it, and he used to do these fantastic raves and stuff, you know. Um, whereas Cheryl, you know, he just he just said whatever he thought off the top of his head. It was a, he, half the time he didn't know what the songs were about, you know. Whereas Steve was really into it, and um, yeah, so it was. People say we didn't go down well, but that's just bullshit. You know, it's like we're just a support band. We just weren't really well known, you know. For Skyhawks, the only downer that came from playing the Sunbury Festival was the sudden departure of their lead vocalist, Steve Hill. Hill's resignation from the band saw the arrival of Graham Shirley Strawn and so completed the classic Skyhawks lineup. And we didn't actually have a deal at that point in time, but it was heading that way. You know, we're starting a demo and things were sort of moving that way and, and um, just kind of working out, you know, what we we're going to do. And uh, and then Steve, just on the spur of the moment, left the band one day and um, and immediately Cheryl, who we knew, and um, he, um, he came on board and it just changed the sound. And it just, I've got to tell you, we, I, I, you know, my gut feeling is we never have had the success without Cheryl uh, because he had that voice that just cut through, you know. You can mix it and, you know, even when we played live, um, yeah, the band sort of sounded like it should, you know, because his voice would cut through even the most shithouse PA system. We just had that sound, you know. Yeah, so it was, you know, it was a match made in heaven. But to be quite honest, I knew as soon as Red came on board we were onto something because I'd known Red for a, quite a long time. He went to university with my brother. They both did science at Melbourne Uni. And Red used to come and visit me, you know, like at the house, uh, like when I was 16, you know, 15, 16. You know, he was really kind of charismatic. He was a terrific guy. And uh, and just he, he was really talented guitarist. He was, you know, he, he had a, a unique flair about him, you know. And so, look, I've got to tell you, I... I, you know, I, I was super excited when that happened, and so that, that's when I really started thinking, oh, hang on a minute, I've you know, got to treat this seriously now, and um, you know, I pulled my socks up and I really made an effort. You know. In the mythology of Skyhooks, Hill's sudden departure from the band is often a talking point as to what did or didn't happen with the change of lead singers. Here's what actually took place. Yeah, well, see, what I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened. Um, Greg McCain, he studied film and TV at Swinburne, right? So all his mates were like cameramen, you know, for Channel 9 or whatever. And so they're out there filming, right, to put it on the news. And so sort of, they sort of, as a favour, they filmed us and put us. So we're, we're sort of appearing, you know, oh, Sunbury's happening, blah, blah, blah. And then there's, there's us playing, you know. And, uh, and Steve Hill saw it. And for some reason... He just had this, you know, just lost his confidence. He thought he was holding the band back. He didn't think he was any good, you know. And so he called up Greg and said, look, I'm, I'm leaving the band. And so I just think he, it was in a low moment. And, um, <laughs> you know, as the years went on, he deeply regretted that, you know. With a new vocalist, Graeme Strawn, now in place, it was the dawning of a new era for Skyhooks. In keeping with the band's tradition, Strawn even came ready-made with his own nickname, Shirley. This was given to him because his blonde mop-top head of hair resembled that of 1950s Hollywood child star Shirley Temple. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, he had that voice. It sounded like Daffy Duck on speed, you know. <laughs> Up there. Yeah, all his mates down on, you know, Carpenter mates, whatever, gave him. Oh, these actually surfy mates gave him that nickname. But, um, 
Yeah, he was, look, he carried it well. I mean, you go to America and and there's a guy called Shirley, you know. They didn't quite get it. <laughs> Under the astute management of Michael Gadinsky from Mushroom Records, Skyhooks would go on to become an Australian cultural icon. However, that's all in the future. In the very beginning, it was the support of another Aussie icon, Ross Wilson, that helped to instill the self-belief in this young emerging Melbourne band. Ross Wilson is one of this country's finest hit makers, with classics to his name such as Eagle Rock by Daddy Cool. and Mondo Rock's Cool World. Being just two of his many, many hits, Bongo credits Wilson's talents for helping the band to strike gold in the studio. Yeah, he, he saw us playing, uh, well, we supported his band Mighty Kong at, um, at Melbourne Uni, and he was sort of in that process of like, a Daddy Cool had broken up, he'd formed Mighty Kong, that was sort of not really getting any traction, you know, um, and he was really keen to produce, because he's got a great ear, and also, he's, you know, like he's a very confident, egocentric kind of guy, you know, and um, anyway, he, he immediately saw, you know, that we had the goods because we had a major songwriter and the songs really, he thought they were cool, you know. And so he, he uh, I guess, without him, I don't think we would have got a deal, to be quite honest. He, he you know, he really is, look, still to this day, he's my mentor, you know. I really look up to Ross Wilson. He's an amazing guy, very talented. This was the era of glam rock and Skyhooks took their stage theatrics and dressing up with full makeup to the very extreme. The band's originality saw them stand out from the crowded glam rock scene. No band in the world looked or sounded like Skyhooks. Yeah, it was part of the brief, you know, when I joined the band really early. Yeah, you had to had to frock up and Greg McCainch was insistent on that, you know. He, he'd actually been to see Gary Glitter and he wanted, you know, a, a sort of a glittery spectac- spectacle, you know. He wanted to get away from all the denim and, you know, all the boogie bands and all that sort of hippie shit, you know. And that was part of the reason, I don't know about Peter, but certainly my brother, but uh, Peter Inglis, I know he left because he didn't want to do that. And so he was out. He, he ended up joining um, Captain Matchbox um, and he was a great guitarist. I tell you, so I digress. Yeah, no, but anyhow, with the um, initially, it was yeah. He just, he, you know, I, I think in his head he was thinking Gary Glitter, but he got more than he bargained for. It just really started to get quite ridiculous, you know. And that's what happened. And by the time Red came on on board, you know, God, you know, Freddie was going. He had the most ridiculous outfits. So did I, you know. And then Red's course off. You know, Lord knows where he was, what planet he was on. You know, so Cheryl sort of struggled a little bit with it. It didn't, you know. He just he just let the girls come up with something. He'd wear it, you know. But uh, the rest of us, we sort of um, embraced it. Despite the reassurances from people like Michael Gadinsky and Ross Wilson that the band had the goods, when entering the studio to record their debut album, Living in the Seventies. 
For the members of Skyhooks, it turned out to be a steep learning curve. Oh, it was intimidating, you know. I was like, oof, you know, like I, I, I was, you know, I thought of, I don't know, I was out of my depth, really. I mean, it's it's sort of like when I joined the Skyhooks, I, you know, I couldn't even hold a plectrum. Huh? So if we had more than two gigs in a week, my fingernail would be worn down, you know. And then, of course, we start getting you know, three and four or five gigs a week. <laughs> so had, we had to get onto it. But look, we were, we were really good. And I think the great thing about the Skyhooks and, and Wilson is we would, you know, we'd write the songs, rehearse them, get them in the shape. And then when we went to the studio, we'd hand over to the producer. And, you know, it was one of those sort of situations where there was no tension there. And it was like, we're all open to what Wilson had to say and what have you. And as it turned out, he was he was pretty tough. You know, he he had perfect pitch, and you know, we'd be doing um, you know, like the bass track. Um, we'd be doing take after take, you know, and then you know, we'd sort of do you know three or four takes, and and then he go tuning. Of course, Red and I were just trying to tune these guitars, but the way. You know, we're still very naive back down then. You know, we didn't quite understand the tuning, you know. And, and so the thing about the hook's music is you don't just sort of play chords down one end. You know, we're right over the fretboard, right? So it'd be out of the tune up the top, but in tune down the bottom and things like that. But in actual fact, it didn't really matter, you know, like, but Wilson could hear it. And so it was, it sort of became, you know, they got the point where Red and I was like, sometimes we'd just hang our head, we're going, fuck me, you know, what do we do? You know, I mean, how? It's like, you, you, you know, and anyhow, and then all of a sudden you say, yeah, that's great. And yeah, you'd shake your head because you just couldn't work out why that was any better than the first take, you know. So he was just being, I think he was sort of overproducing in a way, being a bit of a perfectionist because by the time you stick the icing on the top of it, you don't really hear that stuff down the bottom, you know. It's like a, and so as time went on, we got better and better and better at recording, mainly because he really pushed us hard, you know. And I know that, you know, even t- to this day, you know, I've got the discipline that I got, I learnt from, you know, working with him, um, has held me in really good stead, you know. It's just, I really, you know, we would work the tunes out and then we'd play them. And that was it, you know, once we worked out. The right arrangement, we didn't fuck with it. And so each tune would come up being really, you know, original and different, you know, so there's no two tunes the same. And Wilson really dug that. You know, I've got to tell you, he, you know, without him, I don't think we would have made the record that good, you know. He was he was really creative and he was there doing, giving it his best shot, you know. Okay, that's enough of the talk. Here's Living in the 70s by Skyhooks. Calm it down I feel a bit nervous 
Thanks for listening to Awesome Aussie Songs. Thanks to Bongo for your time, and thanks to Skyhooks for the music. Hi, this is Molly. You've just listened to a podcast brought to you by Marcos Promotions. Written and produced by my dad, Sheldon the Kangaroo Kip. And presented by Josh Urson. This is Molly Kidd saying to my good friend, Holly Kirsten, Hit it, girl! I've got something to tell you About a place that I've been to And now, now I know